podcast is sponsored by Damo Ingredients, who provide best-in-class functional ingredients such as starches, proteins, fibres and gums, to name but a few, into food manufacturers across the UK and Ireland. I've worked with Dama on various projects for my own brand and with my clients. And what I love about working with them is their in-depth technical knowledge and their ability to apply that to the specific products that you're actually working on. So they become an extension to your own development team, supporting them with their knowledge from concept through to launch. To find out more, visit www.dama.com. Welcome to the O for Food's Sake podcast, where we unwrap the joys and struggles of working in the food industry so you can thrive in what you do best while sustaining a rewarding and fulfilling career or business. We are your hosts, Lucy Wager, food industry consultant, and Amy Wilkinson, food industry coach. We've worked in the food industry for the last 20 years, and we're here to share with you the benefit of our hindsight. Our podcast is for you to find new ways to cope with the daily struggles, but mostly to inspire you to work on what's not working to ultimately improve your career or business long term. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Oh For Food's Sake. Oh my God, Lucy, how exciting is this? Happy birthday Uh, to us. It's not actually a birthday. Not really a birthday, no. (laughs) Because when we first started the podcast, no, when we first started the podcast, we were doing it fortnightly, and then we did some crazy thing and said we'll do it weekly. Yeah, but it's amazing to think that we have created a hundred episodes of Over Food's Sake. Yeah, it really is. And a little pat on the back, round of applause. Um, it is actually incredible because I can't, I can't quite believe that every week we we still find new things to talk about and yeah <laughs> and, and if you think back we were like what what you know what are we going to talk about so we thought today everybody's probably listening thinking yeah all right get to the point what you can talk about today um we're going to talk we're really conscious actually that you know we've picked up listeners along the way and you know the 100 episodes is quite a lot to catch up on don't worry we're not going to do one of those really annoying we're just going to give you loads of clips of things you've already listened to that's not going to that's not our style. But what we are going to do is sort of reintroduce ourselves to a degree and sort of talk about why we started the podcast. And a lot of what we talked about right at the start was all about resilience. And it feels like that is still really, really even more important, Mm -hmm. I would say, two years on. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what led us to launch the podcast in the first place. But then we're also going to talk about what we've learned before we started the podcast, but even since we've started the podcast in terms of what resilience really means in the food industry for businesses and yeah. individuals. And our, like it's about articulating it, isn't it, really? Because I think before we, when we were on the journeys that we were on that led us here, I think we've realized that we built our resilience, but didn't really know it until we started to properly talk about it and you became a coach yeah. and you know yeah and I think I was talking to somebody about this the other day and you know going through adversity and hardship and all of that does build your resilience but 
I would really like us to be in a position where we can help other people in the industry to learn from our lessons and not have to go yeah. through the heartache in the first yeah, place. And exactly. I, and, I, yeah. and I think, you know, well, we know that can happen because we run workshops, we help teams with build their resilience and, and it really works. And it, and actually, you know, when we started the podcast, we hadn't even thought of that. We hadn't even thought about running workshops on, on this stuff, had we? No, but it's also really interesting because something that somebody said yesterday, actually, in a workshop we ran really resonated with me because they said, oh, you know, I've been really lucky. I haven't sort of faced anything really difficult and, and was basically sort of saying that I, I've been really lucky and I've sort of got to where I am without having any challenges. But, but and I thought that person is doing themselves an, mm. a disservice because we all have resilience and we've all yeah. faced things that are difficult, even if it's just things that we, we've all been through like COVID and to a lesser or greater extent. Yeah. We all reacted I thought the exactly same. the same. I was like, yeah. I, I really wanted to say, but it was a room full of 20 people. So it wasn't a time to go and like do one-to-one coaching, but I really wanted yeah. to say, is that really luck or is that skill? You know, yes. you managed to yeah. avoid those things because <laughs> exactly. of the toolkit that you've yeah. got. Exactly. And I was like, this is an example of growth mindset because the you've taken, you've not been scared of something that you've, that new that has come on the horizon. Mm. Anyway, that that's we're, we're we're digressing, which is a common we, theme we, across yeah, the hundred episodes. We are, but I think probably you know if I was coaching that person one to one, I would have then delved in and said, well, you know, and then when you actually start talking to people, you're like, oh yeah, well I went through that, and you know this happened, and, and it's mm. like we are all resilient. We have got been through so much and don't even realize it. So there's a real benefit to taking a pause and reflecting which is what we're going to do now, talking about our stories. Yeah. Which we yeah. have to keep more succinct than we did in the first episode. We re-listened oh. to our first episode, didn't we? We were yeah. like, Devo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so don't listen to that. Listen to this if you're, to if you're a first-time listener. We'll, we'll, we'll try and do a better job this time. Yeah. Oh, God, I was so nervous, wasn't <laughs> I? <laughs> Sitting on my daughter's bedroom floor. <laughs> and we didn't even – we've known each other 20 years, but we were not as close as we are. We, now, we so. were very polite, weren't we, on the first yeah. episode? Not anymore. We just interrupt each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lucy, you tell us your story of how you got to us setting up the podcast. Like, right. Back, back from the beginning. So, Amy and I met in 2004 – when I became a graduate on the Accelerated Management Scheme at Bacavor, um, I was a concept technologist and we were working on a multi-retailer site and that's where my career started. And from there, I spent 18 months at Bacavor. Amy was one of my very first line managers. Can't have been that bad because we're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, I worked as a product developer for Sainsbury's. Um, in ready meals and desserts. And then I went to M&S in ready meals. Um, and while I was at M&S, I worked across ready meals that were anything that wasn't British or Italian, basically. So all the fun stuff, the mm-hmm. Asian. And it was, it was a time where there was lots of new things happening with sort of South Asian products. And um, I was really lucky, got to travel to uh, Vietnam and Thailand and was then, it luck or was it skill? Just saying, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you were lucky you went to time. Yeah, yeah. Bit and um, then six months later, I had appendicitis. And then uh, a few months after that, I went on another work trip to India, which was amazing. And while I was there, I had a fantastic time. 
really, really loved it. Went with two suppliers. I mean, this was like, I was living my dream. Like I'd always wanted to be a product developer for Marks and Spencers. This was, this was it. I'd reached like the pinnacle of my career. It was just brilliant. I loved it. And got home and I was incredibly ill, like the worst food poisoning that you could imagine, just horrific. Um, recovered. And then three weeks later, it was Christmas and was at home. And remember saying to my mum in a panic, like, oh my God, I think it's happening again. I've got this like food poisoning again. And I was so, I was even more ill the second time around, never mm-hmm. experienced anything like it. Went to the doctors when I was back in London and she basically said, well, you've been to India, sort of what can, what do you expect? You haven't been ill for 10 weeks. There's nothing, nothing we can do about it. And I was just like, I'm well, going to be dead. You've got, you've, you need to be ill for 10 weeks before we yeah. take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So luckily I just got Booper. So I referred myself basically to a um, gastroenterologist and basically I, a uh, long story short, cause it took a long time to properly diagnose, but I, I'd picked up Campylobacter and I'd thrown it left me with intolerances to various foods, which made the life of a product developer very, very difficult. Mm. So Anyway, particularly one that's like such a variety of cuisine. Yes. You've got to have all of that. All, exactly. Like pretty much every allergen in it. Yeah, it was really difficult. Now, I'm trying to whistle through this because it's turning into a long story. So apologies. No, it's fine. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, you don't have to rush that much. We're, so, always, we're always worried we're going to get in trouble that we've, we talk for too long on the podcast because we have to talk. <laughs> so... Work were incredibly supportive and I've worked, you know, this is a long time before working from home was kind of an acceptable thing, but I, I did work from home quite a lot during that time. I had samples delivered to my home and, you know, all that, everybody was very supportive, suppliers were supportive and I did my best to carry on. And I kept, when I went back to my doctor, she was like, have you stopped sampling? And I'd be like, no, yeah. I mean, just anybody that's a product developer, how do you stop sampling the product you're developing? Mm-hmm. Just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, look, you know, you've got to do something because you are not going to get better. I was losing so much weight. I was just, it was miserable. I was just in pain mm. all the time. Mm. Anyway, so I asked my boss if, if I could move out of ready meals, which still stabs me in my heart when mm. I say it. I loved that job. Yeah. It's like the dream job, isn't it? If you work in chilled foods ready meals because you're getting to do the whole thing aren't you yeah. like it's a whole meal and, and, yeah, it's Asian, and it was Asian it was Asian yeah. cuisine it's my it's my favorite cuisine as well mm. like it was just brilliant and I loved the supply base it was a really it was heartbreaking and that's when that period of time was, that was the first sort of real sort of hurdle that that I really faced um and M&S were incredibly supportive and rejigged the, all the product development team. And I ended up in prepared fruit, which is where Amy and I bumped yeah. into each other again. Yeah, we'd already, there at that yeah, point. <laughs> we'd already bumped into each other previously when I was at Sainsbury's and you were at... Um, I found that super weird. I don't know if you did. I can remember finding it really weird because it was like, you'd been like, I'd been your live manager and then all of a sudden you were my customer. I remember we used to have a, like a rule when we sent each other a text, we had to say whether it was like work related or non-work related <laughs> to try and create some boundaries. Oh, I just, re- I just remember going out and getting very drunk one night with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On my company credit card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were tasting American food for, yes. uh, for, for a manufacturer. Yeah. It's funny, yeah. like, 
I'm not going to say anymore. Don't want to incriminate no. yourself. <laughs> so, um, so prep fruit, very different category, was very interesting because it was produce, which is completely different to mm-hmm. ready meals and like more value added. So that was, it was interesting. I also did horticulture, which is completely different. Nothing I'd ever done before. And, you know, at first, because I love, I love different things. I love moving about and new challenges. But after a while, it was really hard watching somebody else do, develop the products that mm. I had, you know, researched. I, I, I really struggled. And I had, just before I went to India, I had met someone who, um, I'm stumbling over my words here because they, they he was your fiance for a bit, but not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Um, and I basically left London, turned my life upside down, left London, moved up to Cheshire. and just didn't know what I was going to do. Called a recruitment consultant that had recruited me into my graduate role. And she was like, why don't you come and work for us? We're based in Cheshire. It was literally that simple. Mm. <laughs> um, so I did that for a year. Crazy for a product developer to do that. Lot, uh, but people have done it. And it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a really cool thing to do because you get to see a whole different side lots of different sides of the food industry. And it really mm. opened my eyes. You know, when you work in own label, you become very blinkered into the retailer that you're working with. And it's, 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 um, you get quite institutionalized, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. So it really opened my eyes. This is 2011. And again, for about six months, I loved it and thought, this is great. But in true Lucy style, I was then like, well, you know, I'm kind of missing product development now because I was six months in, my health had got a lot better and I was making products for myself that were dairy-free because I was still dairy-free. And basically that was where my business idea was born, which then became Podology. And at the start of 2012, I launched myself full-time into Podology and creating this new brand, which was the first free from chilled dessert into the market, um, which is something that I'm really proud of. And I want to say that because it's been three and a half years now since I liquidated that business. And it's, I think because it's been three and a half years, I'm sort of almost going through a little bit of a second loss for that business. Mm. And it's, I think when you because I've skipped a big chunk here, but in the end, I liquidated that business because yes, we were the first to market and, you know, I helped carve that new category, but I'm no longer in that category. And that is painful. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Mm. A little bit like you had to leave the ready meals behind. You've left the category behind, but even more than that, you were pioneering in it and you're seeing other people succeed in it. Yes. And I think, um, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, when we were in the car, it is, it's, it's hard. It is reflective of who I am. I am a product developer. I love coming up with ideas and I love getting things to market, Mm. but I didn't succeed in keeping that brand alive forever. Mm. And there's lots of- You've had some real learnings from that, haven't you, which you now help other people with. Yes. Yes. And that's what I love doing. And Mm. I suppose the reason that for me, the reason that we started the podcast, Amy and I sat down, we caught up and Amy will tell her story of why, why we did that. This is uh, two and a half years ago. And 
I then was afterwards, I was like, should we start a podcast? Because we have so much to say. And the thing for me was about, yes, I feel like I've gone through some really difficult things in my career and things that are still difficult and still hurt. But I've learned so much during those those times. Mm -hmm. And it was really important for me to continue to talk about that and be really open about it and try and help other people, whether, whether it's people that are new into the industry that have got startups. And I like to share the things that I did wrong or not even necessarily did wrong, but things that I didn't think about and mm. just giving people the opportunity to know that they're not alone um, in what can be a really difficult, fast-paced industry. Mm. Mm. So yes, that's why I wanted to continue talking about, and I think, you know, it has been, it's been three and a half years and I'm, I'm on a very new journey, new journey now, taking mm. all the learnings from my sort of corporate life and where I learned the, in inverted commas, proper way to do product development. And then, you know, I took that into a startup where the product development side of it was the easy bit for me. It was... Mm. There, but there is an, a lot of complexity around food startups, a lot of which I did well. Some of it I didn't do very well, but I learned lots of things. And mm. um, for me, it's important that there's a new conversation in the food industry, which is really honest and open. And I think that's what we wanted to do. And I hope we've, uh, we've achieved that. I think we have because, you know, we've been, we've been told by many people that it's helped them and they feel less alone in in everything we've been called disruptors that was my, one of my favorite quotes when we were called disruptors <laughs> in the industry so i i really think we have um well i hope we have too so i'll delve into my story now now i have to be careful don't i because i could talk for an hour because we know because i do <laughs> keynote presentations that are an hour of my story so i'll talk, try not to talk for too long but it's interesting because i was just thinking when you were saying about when we first had the chat about setting up the podcast or, you know, you WhatsApped me that night and it was like, shall we start it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was listening to the first episode and I say, you know, I work in the food industry, but not pre um, predominantly in the food industry, but not exclusively. Cause I still had one foot out the door at that point because yeah. I, I think I had got to that point that, you know, it was the start, start of the pandemic where I was like, enough I want out oh, I want out man. of this industry and it turns out I didn't want out of that industry it was just you know circumstances I actually wanted to be my own boss I'm so passionate about this industry but I can remember you like saying that and me thinking yeah whatever like get me out of here <laughs> but it's not true it's not true and I think I think a lot of people find themselves in that kind of catch-22 too yeah, like it's yeah. hard work and it's tiring and thankless sometimes but we love it and yeah, we, can't, and we yeah. don't can't either see a way out or don't want to get out really in our heart of hearts yeah and and the other thing I think the industry is when you're when you're not in a good place it can feel like a very small one-dimensional place mm. but there's so much to the food industry and, yes. you know, you still work in the food industry, but in a very different way to how yeah. you ever have. And exactly what you said about, you know, I'd only ever worked in chilled own label. Mm. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell my backstory in a minute, but, I, you know, it, it, it blinkers you. And even like within a few months of 
starting my business and getting like into other areas like working with cake manufacturers we were with meat people yesterday weren't we it's like yeah. a whole um, world that just yeah. doesn't you don't know exists if you get really really blinkered so yeah yeah so my backstory so I was on a graduate scheme as well but Samworth Brothers a competitor of back of your a few years before you started Lucy and I was a technical graduate so I did a food science degree and I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, didn't really understand what the food industry was. I just knew I wanted to work with food, but I didn't want to be a chef. And I quickly um, realised I didn't want to work in technical. That was ham. Uh, what was it called? Ham foot and mouth disease. Oh. <laughs> when I worked in, worked in a pork factory, a sausage factory, I was like, "Yep, yep, yep." I don't want to have to do this. I'm having to do all this traceability and like, oh god. Anyway, um, not for me. Um, and I moved quickly across into process development which I loved, but it's, again, that's a thankless, it can be quite a thankless. It's great because you're at the heart of the factory and all of that sort of stuff, but you're like constantly in an uphill battle with ops trying to get trial time. I can just remember being like elbow deep in egg mayonnaise and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but it gave me a really good grounding, but I wanted to move across into concept development. So that's when I moved across to Geest as was, um, came back of all. Um, which is where we met. I did. I worked in product development for a, the first half of my career. So a good ten. I don't know exactly ten, eleven years. I think it was. Um, I'd moved from. You know, we'd move. We sort of mirrored each other a little bit, yeah, didn't we? Because I we moved did. to the Ready Mill site when you were the Ready Mills developer at Sainsbury's, and then I moved. Um, I left that business because it was closing, and I moved into Prep Fruit, and <laughs> within. 18 months of being the head of MPD in a prep fruit factory. I was a bit like, I don't think I can think of anything else to do with these eight different fruits that we can just cut in different ways. <laughs> or I didn't want to anyway. So I wanted to move across into commercial because I wanted to be the center of the action. And I think anybody listening to this that works in MPD, you can sometimes feel sidelined and this is something in the last two years since we've done the podcast and I've been talking to more and more people in the industry. MPD is not always given the same gravitas as commercial or technical and we often report into those functions. So I think there was a big part of my ego that wanted to be in commercial. And I can remember like the first time I had to speak to the co-op buyer to tell them that there'd been shortages. I was like, handshaking. And, you know, I'm really sorry. And like, she didn't care. Um, but, you know, it was like the end of the world for me. So I massively, massively pushed myself out of my comfort zone, moving across into commercial. And I did that for five years and was really, really successful in it, even though I had massive imposter syndrome and kept telling myself that I didn't know what I was doing and I was making it up and I was going to get caught out. Um, I worked really hard. We won a big contract with Sainsbury's. You know, everything went wrong because, you know, when you try and take a massive chunk of business and just chuck it into a factory, it all goes wrong. Um, so it was a really, really stressful time period. And there was lots of other stuff going on in my life as well. Sort of good stress stuff. I was getting married, that sort of stuff. But while I was working in that role, and it was the kind of, you know, produces like whole next level isn't it in terms yeah, of yeah. constant supply issues so I'd be getting phone calls at 6am pineapple stuck in ports 10pm pineapples won't fit in the machine you know it's like constantly that flipping phone ringing 
with issue after issue after issue, which I know people listening will be like, yep, it's like that everywhere. And it is like that everywhere at the moment. Um, But it was, you know, it was a highly stressful environment and I wasn't looking after myself. I was traveling um, up and down the country. Uh, I wasn't eating properly. I was exercising excessively. And one day I woke up and I couldn't get out of bed. And when I say I couldn't get out of bed, I don't mean I couldn't be arsed. I mean, I couldn't move my arms and my legs. Um, And it was terrifying. And basically I'd burnt out. You know, people talk about burnout and I think it means different things to different people. But I can tell you that you have well and truly burnt out if you are, if you have to crawl to get to the toilet. I I remember the first time on the episode that we did, I think it was the first time that I'd properly heard this story. Mm. And it's so shocking. Like, Mm. I can't. I know, I'm just rattling through it. Yeah, we've <laughs> got to just take it. a pause there because it's yeah. that sounds so frightening. Yeah, like, it was. I just can't imagine. And I know we 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 talk about all these things quite a lot, but it, mm. the, the, but this is why this is so important, yeah. and why we do what we do because, and this is why we're so. And this episode is really good for us, I think, because like we need to be reminded sometimes, like why are we doing this? And yeah. It's because we don't want other people to to be in this position. Um, you know, I felt quite alone in quite a dark place for a long time as mm. a solo entrepreneur. Um, and you woke up one morning not able to move. It's, yeah. it's not where we want people to be. No. And I take personal responsibility to, for that to to a certain degree, you know. Well, to a great degree, I take personal responsibility for that. But also I can see and I feel like I can speak about it more freely now because the business I worked in is actually liquidated now. The business did not support me in the way that it should have done. And I was a, I, I sort of slipped through the cracks because I was working remotely. You know, that happens a lot now, but it didn't back yeah. in 2012. I was, you know, working between two different sites and papering on a smile when I went into each site. So yeah, people weren't going to know, but they, you know, people knew I was emailing at midnight and all of that um, sort of stuff going on. So I think for me, um, and I'll just, uh, let me just tell the rest of the story because obviously I got better, yeah. um, but it did take a long time. You know, I always say, you know, I had three months in the end, there was, I went through another 18 months of trying to battle through. And then one day I was like, I just need to take some time out. And I took three months off work. And when I returned, I went back into a category role because I didn't want the day-to-day urgency that you get with, you know, being in that um, front-facing, customer-facing um, commercial role. And um, over the, the, the next, it probably took me, I mean, I'd say I'm still recovering now, but it probably took me to physically recover three or four years to properly recover Mm. physically and mentally. I had to have therapy. I had to do, I had different diagnoses with, of ME and fibromyalgia. I've had to work through all of that to get myself physically better. Um, but along the way, I learned so much about burnout, about psychology, about what had got me to where it had got me, which is why I then ended up becoming a coach because I managed to heal myself through a lot. A lot of what I did was through mindset, which is what coaches do, you know, help you work on your mindset. And I just am so passionate about 
and and a lot of what I see happens for a lot of women in the food industry as well. Um, I'm just so passionate, exactly like you say, Lucy, about not uh, people seeing this stuff. I was talking about this stuff and not making the same mistakes that I mm. made. Mm. And businesses taking some blooming responsibility as well. Which, which I, th- you know, I think they are. Like if we, if we, if you think about the difference now, because we we know that businesses are making an effort because we're asked to go and speak and do yeah. workshops with businesses, which is amazing. And I sit in like when the managers doing the introductions on why we're there and talking about like, the introduction of the workshops that we're doing, whether it's on resilience or you know communication or whatever and Mm. I just think this is a this is a different world like yeah things have changed and it's it's amazing that that's happened because yeah it it didn't used to happen did it no and and I I think you know I think it we've got more um aware of mental health through the pandemic and stuff like that but I would also just hope that opening up the conversation and admitting this stuff out loud has helped other people because the the when we, whenever a lot of the people that get on the get on a call to me and like are booking a like a keynote presentation or a workshop with their teams are like, I went through what you went through, but mm. I'm not telling anybody. Mm. You know, like it's almost there's still a lot of shame attached yeah. to you know having struggled with your mental health at some point in in your career. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but usually, you know, it, it usually. There is somebody, you know, if you if you open up to other people, they will open up to you and tell yeah. you that, that that's happened. So, yeah. So I think that brings us up to date with what I do now, right? I coach people <laughs> one-to-one and I um, now, and do a lot more work now with groups of people because I feel like we can make more impact in the industry by, you know, doing workshops for 20 people and stuff like that, but having a mixture yeah. of those things. Yeah. But should we talk about a little bit about what what we've learned along the way in the last couple of years? Yes. And what we think what um we can now reflect on and see what helped get us through. Because I think one of the things that so when I went through my transition from product development into the recruitment role, people would say to me, Oh, you know, oh, you went through such a lot, and then oh, and look, you've you've you know come out of it, and you know, people saw the 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 good bits and were like, wow, like how did you do that? Like you're so resourceful, and you're so <laughs> people would describe me as resilient, and I'd sort of be like, oh, right. people say that to me as well. I'm like, well, I'm yeah. a wreck inside. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I and I sort of contemplated what that really meant, and then I think. Then coming out of pedology and sort of the same thing happening in, in the sense that very quickly I sort of landed on my feet again and very quickly, literally within two weeks, had set up my consultancy business because the opportunities came my way. But I think the big thing for me, we're going to talk about the toolkit and there's four key things in this toolkit, but the big things for me are about my network and growth mindset. Mm. And I was thinking growth mindset when you said that about that bounce. It's that we yeah. talk about, don't we? Resilience not being about bouncing back. It's about bouncing forward all the time. Like just, 
okay, well, I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to keep going. And that is a growth mindset because you could easily go, I'm giving up. Yes. And I think for me, it's that there's obviously something in me that I do quite like change. Like I naturally get quite excited about change. I'm quite an impulsive person as well. So Mm -hmm. new things don't necessarily scare me, which I know isn't the case for a lot of people. But I think when I'm faced with something new, I automatically get quite excited about it, which I think really helps in these times of difficulty. Mm. And for me, my, my network, I hadn't realized how important my network was. And it was really by accident that I had quite a big network on LinkedIn. And mm. I've talked about before that I don't think I'd utilized it as well as I could have done during my pedology days. I mean, I, th- I sort of chastise myself and I said because I did use it but I I just Mm. don't know if I used it to the best of its ability I definitely Mm. didn't realize the power of it until I did a video basically where I told people what had happened to the business because I wanted people to hear it from me and I thought well maybe the quickest way of doing this is to do a video and put it on LinkedIn and then at least I've I feel like I said it out loud and I've put it out there and what I didn't realize was how quickly that would get around the the industry basically. I had like 75,000 views within a couple of days. But it was amazing because everybody sort of came to my aid and, mm-hmm. you know, I got opportunities off it basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? Like I'm just thinking about, we said about reflecting and talking about the toolkit and you're, you know, the bit of the toolkit you're talking about is support networks. I think that's something that I have learned so much more about in the last two years since we've been podcasting because mm. we've created a community and we've got that community around us. And I didn't have it before. You know, I had 500 connections on LinkedIn. I've got 9,000 connections on LinkedIn now. Mm. It's just, and like you say, everybody is so supportive. It is a wonderful industry to work yeah. in um, because we've all got each other's backs. And I think that's changed a little bit because I remember in the early days it feeling very competitive. And I think that still goes on, but I don't know if it's the community that we, we, we've we now surrounded ourselves with. It yes. feels much, much more collaborative. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because I think some people still do struggle with the, the, the whole social media community thing, especially if you're – because I was thinking back to sort of my state of mind as a startup and some of the things that other – entrepreneurs say to me and said to me, LinkedIn can be the worst place in the world because you just see everybody else being so successful and <laughs> everything. Yeah. And and that and, and that's just reminded me that when um I liquidated pedology, people would say, but you were doing so well. Like what happened? And obviously you don't mm. post all of the awful bits. And mm. I just think opening up and, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and, but opening up and being real about the life and how Mm. hard things are that is more real like not Mm. every day isn't going to be good it's just that's just reality yeah it's a reality check isn't it yeah so that so those two bits of what we call our toolkit are the bits that whenever we're presenting it they really resonate when you tell your story around the support networks and the growth mindset and always always sort of and you have always been a really positive person, Lucy. I always remember, you know, you were like a little tigger in the office when you were a young grad and, and well, just, you know, so enthusiastic about everything. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. I am at work, but <laughs> I'm not I'm not so much at home. And, and that, yeah. that is, 
and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that as well. I, you yeah, know, I, yeah. like like my the face is it's all the mask. Good. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think there's only so long you can do that for. And I think after pedology, I was just like, do you know what? Let's talk about the shit because there's a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, the and the, the other bits of the toolkit that we talk about are the emotional intelligence bit and the self regulation bit, and it always feels like they're the they're the bits of the toolkit that have helped me the most. So mm. on the emotional intelligence bit, I think I used to be, I've always been somebody that um, I was always you know, a bit sensitive. <laughs> you know, that's how I would have been described as a child. And and obviously that was part of like being in that, on that coal face with the, in the commercial world was, was quite hard. Like I could, exactly what you say, I could put a mask on yeah. and I could, was really good at selling the products and really good at having those difficult conversations, but inside I was exhausted. Yeah. Um, and what I've learned because I've had to, because of what I went through is how much there is a connection between your mind and body. So actually in get getting in touch with, and I, like inverted commas, in touch with your emotions, but actually using your emotions as a tool to understand yourself better. Why am I feeling like I'm getting palpitations going into a feasibility meeting? What can I do about that? You know, why is that factory manager flying off the handle and it seems like totally unreasonable why they're doing this? All of that kind of understanding myself better and then understanding other people better has really, really helped me it, um, to be more resilient, but also to um, have more empathy with other people. And, th- and that in itself makes you more resilient because you are more likely to get what you need out of other people. That's the reality. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you can empathize with them and, and see things from their point of view. And one of the things that I think that I didn't do earlier in my career was ever take a breath and stand back and pause and breathe and take time to notice what was going on. And I'm still rubbish at it, but I'm a lot better at it than I was. And you have to make time and space in your, in this busy, crazy world that we work in, in the food industry to be able to like, just have those moments to go, right, what is going on and what do I need? You know? And and I think that's been a big thing for me, Mm. which then helps me with the the self-regulation bit of the toolkit. So I, I always call it self-regulation because I hate the term self-care because I just think it sounds like bubble baths and flipping candles. And that's not what it is. It's like making sure that you make your dentist appointment, you know, are your are your is your medication up to date? You know, it's really simple yeah, things. Simple like that. things. But also, you know, what do I need? I actually I know that if I'm feeling really stressed and overwhelmed, that the emotional intelligence bit tells me about what I don't need to do is work harder. What I need to do is go for a walk and get mm. outside and get some fresh air um, or get some exercise. Um, and or, and the other thing is like recognizing that life isn't all about work. You need to create some space for you. and it makes you more efficient at work as well. So it's like almost give yourself permission, but it helps with the whole resilience thing. Yeah, it does. It just gives you, it, it gives you more energy and mm. it, it, it keeps your tank fuller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, because I think we we've both been at that point where there's just we've been we were running on empty for so long mm. um, that you then struggle to see the wood for the trees. Yeah. And I think on reflection and I think about all the messages we get from people um, that listen to the podcast and we do get loads of messages and keep those messages coming because honestly, it it yeah. just it keeps us resilient doing what yeah, we're doing yeah. as well. And, and we just love hearing it. But, you know, it, so many people are, talk about how it gives them permission to go and do take some rest, do the things that they need to do, get themselves out of toxic work environments. Loads of people that are like, I've handed my notice in because I listened to this episode. I'm like, oh my God, like, can you still pay your mortgage? Um, <laughs> don't want to be responsible for that. Um, but what, you know, our, over the last two years, we, we kind of had an idea what we wanted the podcast to be about. But in the last couple of months, we've realized what it's all about for us is making the food industry a happier place to work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, get, and allowing, the conversations to take place and stimulating conversations and and helping bring those topics to companies as well because you mm. Amy just does such a fantastic job of facilitating these types of discussions and this is just really fresh in my mind because we did one yesterday and <laughs> you're really good at supporting me on it too Lucy take some credit thank you I, I'm her glamorous <laughs> assistant <laughs> but, but it is because businesses do need to take responsibility and then I'm just like. I, I always worry. Well, I used to worry, but now I realise that it's it's nothing to worry about. I used to worry if I talked about toxic work environments and if I said, you know, bad things about businesses, that it would mean I wouldn't get any work. But you know, I know that the people are listening work in some of those businesses, so they know that that the need is there. But you know, it's. I think some of the stuff that businesses need to do is don't just pay lip service to you know, supporting people with their well-being and their resilience. Don't just have a well-being day or give them free access to a meditation app. That's not helping people. What you need to do is give them practical tools. And that's why it's been so great that it's that's kind of how my business has ended up evolving because mm. it's it's the practical like, okay, so, you know, you're talking about emotional intelligence. What does that actually mean when I'm in a feasibility meeting mm. well it means that you you might feel the blood rushing and you might not be able to speak and these are the techniques that you can use to to help yourself get through them you know that's the real practical yeah, help that is. you can give people and, and they're such big areas aren't they like it, it feels like they're simple things but actually there's a lot to there's a lot that goes into each area and it's mm -hmm it's there's a lot for people to learn and I think and people are really engaged aren't they I think that's what I feel really excited about it's like yeah. the more we talk about it the more people respond to us yeah and yeah. and you realize that there really is this need yeah there absolutely is and I think you know it's getting harder and harder in the industry to recruit and retain people so give them the support that, so that you keep them within your businesses and within yeah. the industry altogether because resourcing really is an issue and this is me getting on my soapbox now no matter how much I come in or Lucy comes in and helps your business helps the people that are there if you've not got enough bums on seats and you've not got enough resource in your business then you aren't helping your staff you know you've got to make sure that you've got that stuff and I know that some people listening will be like this is so out of my control 
but hey, let's have the conversation and let's talk about it because it is, you, you, like I say, all the well-being days that there are, if there is too much work, the number of people in your team, something needs to something needs to drop. And that's why we also do communication skills and assertiveness yeah. and how to push back because it's, I think it's a real, it's a real problem. And it, 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 I think it's a real problem because we don't make enough money in the food industry and that's part mm. of why it always gets stripped out. So I think it's a, it, it's a bigger than us problem, but it's a, it's a problem that needs yeah. to be talked about. Yeah. We've got to start somewhere with it. Yeah. Yeah. So hundred, hundred in, hundred in, here's, an, here's to another hundred. Yeah. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Let's <laughs> yeah. carry on the conversation. Yeah. Cause we absolutely love hearing from you and we really want to do more and more. We do as much as we can, don't we, for free and giving free yeah. resources out to people, but there's only so many hours in the day and we don't want to go from one burnout to another. So we have to be sensible. Yeah. But yeah, we would love to hear from you. Yes. And just, you know, huge thanks to everybody that's um, been on this journey with us and, and keeps listening. And please share it with all your food industry friends. And yeah, subscribe, review. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say subscribe, review. Um, yeah. yeah, sharing it with as many people as you can because we do want to continue it. We want to keep doing what we're doing and we're always looking for people to partner with people to have as guests so let's keep the conversation going yeah thanks everybody and thanks we'll everyone and see, we'll you see you next time thank you for joining us today and we hope that this has been useful to you as ever we would love it if you could rate and review the podcast on your podcast app it really does help us reach and support more foodies out there We'd also love it if you'd come and join us in the Facebook group, the Over Food Sake community. And if you want to get in touch with us personally, Lucy is available for consultancy advice and training and can be found on LinkedIn as Lucy Wager. And if you want to reach out to Amy for any one-to-one coaching, group facilitation or training, then contact her on LinkedIn at Amy Wilkinson Coach. Thanks for listening and see you next time. See you next time. This podcast is sponsored by Damer Ingredients, who provide best-in-class functional ingredients such as starches, proteins, fibres and gums, to name but a few, into food manufacturers across the UK and Ireland. I've worked with Damer on various projects for my own brand and with my clients, and what I love about working with them is their in-depth technical knowledge and their ability to apply that to the specific products that you're actually working on. So they become an extension to your own development team, supporting them with their knowledge from concept through to launch. To find out more, visit www.dama.com.